Welcome everyone to the Sight Beyond Sight podcast, where we look beyond the surface, diving deeper into life's issues. I'm your host, Mike, aka Emperor. And as always, I want to take some time to thank you for choosing to spend the next 30 minutes of your life with me. I know that you could be doing other things or listening to someone else, but you chose to tune in to Sight Beyond Sight. And for that, I'm very thankful. With that being said, let's create some freshwater moments. The reason why people remain poor is because of their fear of failure. They say things like, I can't afford it, or I will never be rich. Think about that. The reason why people remain poor is because of their fear of failure. They say things like, I can't afford it, or I will never be rich. Now, these aren't my words. I was listening to an interview and the guest was Robert Kiyosaki. He's the author of Rich Dad, Poor Dad. I've read that book. I read that book when I was pretty young. I was in my uh, probably late teens, early early 20s. And it's a book about finances, but more like uh, the mentality of why the rich get rich and the poor stay poor and how to get out of the rat rat race and your line of thinking and all that good stuff. So it's not a step-by-step of how to get rich quick, but it is talking more about the mentality and taking action and things. So he was talking, he's well-known, he was talking, and these were his words. And so he was the one behind the opening statement. And as I began to think about that, I was thinking, man, how does that apply to us right now in our current state and in the way we think? Now, I want you to know that I'm not here to give you financial advice. That's way out of my jurisdiction. You know, however, I do want to focus on the words of defeat that he mentions. He talks about can't and never. Now, if you remember, previously we talked about these words of defeat and we briefly discussed Sharon L. Hannon's views on these words of defeat. And in her explanation, she added the words couldn't, should, and shouldn't. And in short, she referred to these words as limiting. Now, I think both of those views go hand in hand. What Robert Kiyosaki was saying goes right in hand with with what Sharon was saying, even though they're talking about different things. But they're talking about the same thing, the same mentality, the limiting mentality. So I, I, get, I began to think about these words and my feelings towards them. And I thought to myself, man, these guys are onto something. These guys are really onto something. Because I feel the same way about these words. And I mean, I'm a pretty sharp guy. And as emperor, there's really no way that I could be wrong about this. You know what I mean? I mean, am I right or am I right? I mean, who's going to defy the emperor? I don't know. I think you would be foolish to do so. But all jokes aside, I thought to myself, we have an example of how this line of thinking can prevent financial growth. But how does this apply in other aspects of life? And I thought about when I coach football. I've coached middle and high school football. And I was thinking back on my coaching style, no matter the level of football I coached, I did not allow players to say words of defeat. Actually, come to think about it, there were two things that a player could do to make me lose my cool. 
The first being not giving your best effort at all times. That just bugged me because this is not a sport. Well, there's no sport. There's nothing in life that you can do where it's okay not to give your best effort. And it's a very difficult sport. So why not give your best? So that bugged me. You know, for example, my running backs, I coached the running backs. They knew that they were never supposed to walk on the field. If it was time to get a drink of water or you were going to a new station for a new drill, you had to either run or you had to jog. If I saw you walking, it was a big problem. And then the second thing they also knew, that you always give 100% unless otherwise noticed. You know, so if I didn't tell you, I would tell you exactly, you know, for this drill, we're going to start out 50% and then we're going to work our way up to 100. Or on this drill, I want you to go about 80, okay? Um, Find that in between. I don't want you to go full speed because I don't want anyone to get hurt. But if I didn't say things like that, you automatically knew it was 100%. And the second thing you could do to make me lose my cool was saying these words of defeat. I can't do it. I will never win. You know, I've I've questioned some of my best players, and I've sat some of my best players down because of those words. You know, I didn't start my starting running back one year for a game or two because he was talking like that. And so I say that because it's so powerful. What you speak is so powerful. If you say that you can't do it, then that means to me that you don't have the confidence to go through with it. You don't have the faith in your teammates. You don't have the faith in the coaches that are coaching you. So I'm not going to let you endanger yourself, and I'm not going to let you endanger others who are playing next to you. So when you say you can't do it, and that means you're not going to try to do it. So I'm going to put someone in who's going to do it, who is going to try. When you say things like, well, I'll never win or I'll never beat him. Well, that means to me that you've given up. And when it's game time, that's not time for you to be practicing or coaching. That's a time for action. So if you're not ready to put forth the effort and put your, your, all that you've learned into action, then I cannot play you. I don't care if you're the best player, the least talented player of the team. It doesn't matter. Those that want to play and that are willing to show the effort and put in the effort, those are the ones that I I have a, a, a soft spot for. So there's a couple of things that happen when you hear these words. You know, you're... When you say things like that, the words of defeat, you're telling me and everyone else that is depending on you that you've given up on yourself and you've given yourself an excuse not to try. So that's a lack of effort. You're giving uh, yourself an excuse to quit, and that's usually based off of some sort of fear. And it also, like I said, shows a lack of belief in yourself and those who are supporting you. You've been overcome with that sense of doubt. So now you're probably thinking to yourself, Emperor, how does that show a lack of belief 
and those supporting you. Well, think about this. Imagine you're on a football team. Shocker there, right? <laughs> you're about to play in a rivalry game, right? The, the winner of the game wins the conference championship. So it's a very important game. Everybody is all pumped up in the locker room, ready to go out there and execute and win, right? That's the goal. And as you walk onto the field, you overhear three teammates talking. Now, initially, you think it's just chatter about the game and how they're going to win and how they're going to do their job and they're going to do their job to the best of their ability. But then you overhear this. You hear one of the guys say, oh, my gosh, you see how big those players are? We're going to get killed. Let me repeat that. You hear one of your teammates before a major game say, oh, my gosh, do you see how big those guys are? We are going to get killed. So let's break down this statement. Now, a lot is said, a lot is said in 20 words and less. That's 17 to be exact. Now, do you remember when we discussed how we have to look beyond the surface and listen for aha words. You know, these aha words help us connect the dots on how people truly feel. So when we go back and break down the first line, the first line, oh my gosh, that's shock. Looking to get attention and rally the troops. We've talked about rallying the troops and how powerful that is for someone who's uh, based off living in fear and living in doubt. You want people to agree with you so you're not the only one. And the more people that agree with you, it seems like that's how everybody should feel. And so it validates their fear. That's what you don't want. Do you see how big those guys are? Right away, they expose their fear. They are afraid because the other guys are intimidating in their stature. Now check out this last line. We are going to get killed. Once again, expressing his fear, but not only expressing his fear, he's projecting his fear on the team as if he's not alone, as if the whole team feels that way. But we know that's not true. We understand that we is a way to rally the troops. When he says we, it's a way to rally the troops to validate his feelings. So at that moment, upon hearing the, those words, those 17 words, we all have a decision to make. Do we join in and agree? Do we confront the situation or do we ignore it? Now that's on you to, to decide on how you handle that situation. There's no right or wrong way to handle that situation really, especially at that moment. I mean, I could break it down and tell you reasons why you wouldn't do that. You know, you may ignore it because you are focused on your job and you're not going to let that bring you down. You may agree because you were feeling the same way, but you didn't want to voice it. Or you may confront it because you don't take too kindly to talk like that. You understand? So more than likely in a football team, more than likely someone in earshot is going to confront this player 
with some sort of force. Now, that might be name calling. That might be putting hands on them. That might be something saying to the them saying something to the effect of, you know, don't step on the field. You're this, you're that. It may turn nasty, but the situation might more than likely be confronted by someone on the team. But I want to focus on how the player's statement showed that he has had doubt in his teammates as well as himself. The player said, once again, we are going to get killed, not I. When he said we, he showed that he doubted his teammates and coaches and their ability to overcome. He also assumed that everyone else shared his fear that they were going to lose and that this team was bigger and better and faster, almost impossible to beat. But that's not the case. So the appropriate thing for him to say in that situation was, I am afraid because these guys are bigger and I don't feel prepared. Now, how he said that, I think people would have taken taking a more patient approach, a more encouraging and uplifting approach. You know, some people may have pulled him to the side and say, hey, you don't have anything to fear. You just focus on doing your job and we got you. You just trust in us and we have you. You just do your job. But the one thing you cannot do, you cannot buckle. You cannot quit. You cannot walk out on that field in fear and panic. When it's your time to walk out on that field, you must do your job and you must understand that we are there to help you and protect you. He might have been faced with something like that. So you might be saying to yourself, well, Emperor, all this information sounds good. But what are you truly trying to say? And as your emperor, what I'm truly trying to say is, how dare you question me? I've spoken and you should listen when I speak or you will suffer the consequences of defying me. <laughs> now, that's a joke. You know, I'm not a, I, I wouldn't be, I don't, I know I wouldn't be the ruler to rule everyone with fear and fear alone. That's not the way to do it. You know, what we've learned about those who succumb to fear, though, what have we learned? We learn that fear paralyzes you and causes irrational thoughts. Fear paralyzes you and causes irrational thoughts. If you look back on history, those who've tried to rule by fear and fear alone were usually overtaken by hands that were closest to them. So you want to be careful. When fear is driving you, it causes you to be irrational. It causes you to sit idle. And think about where we're at right now in this world. We're not in a position where we can sit idle. We are in a position right now where we need to take action. Let me put it to you this way. 
You know, some of us miss out on our blessings and miss out on these good things that could be that are supposed to come our way because we are sitting there waiting for someone to come and rescue us. We feel that, you know what? I'm so afraid that I'm not going to do anything and I'm just going to wait for someone to come and rescue me. I'm not going to take matters into my own hands. I'm not going to even put forth any effort in this. I'm not going to even try. And that's a bad state. So I want to sum this all up by telling you a little story. Now, bear with me because I'm not a great storyteller. I'm just truly not. And I'm not saying that for sympathy. It is what it is. I'm not great at telling jokes. I'm not great at telling stories. Now, with jokes, I can do off-the-cuff jokes. If we're just talking back and forth and going back and forth saying witty things, oh, I could do that all day. But getting up in front of people and telling jokes that are, gonna, or that are intended to make people laugh for 30, 40 minutes, ah, that's a little tough. Plus, I can find myself getting a little irritated with that. You know, maybe I tell a joke or two that I thought was awesome and that people should be laughing a little harder. And if they're not laughing as hard as I think they should or at all, I'm probably going to confront that right on stage. And that's probably not the best thing for me to be doing. I'm a little sensitive with that. I ain't going to lie. It's one, of my, it's one of my little quirks, I guess. I'm a little sensitive with that. But I want to tell you a little story, and I, I want you guys to listen into this story. See, there once was a man who cared so much about helping his community that he dropped everything to spread the word that hope was here, instilling a sense of purpose for each community member. Some thought he was crazy for dropping everything just to talk with the people. He was always encouraging people when, um, when other people called him foolish. They called him foolish for thinking that people were even listening to him in this message of hope. I imagine that he was bombarded with words of defeat on a daily basis. They'll never listen. You should go back to where you came from. Nobody cares. I'm sure these are the things that he's heard all throughout his life, all throughout when he was trying to accomplish instilling some sort of hope in this community. Now, one day he was walking through town and some people gathered around him. They began to follow him and listen to his words of hope. Meanwhile, there was a woman lurking outside of the crowd. You see, for over a decade, she had been bombarded with words of defeat because of a health condition. So this health condition meant that she was an outcast. She wasn't supposed to be in contact with other people. She was supposed to just be out on her own because she wasn't pure. So I'm sure she was bombarded with words like, you can never be around us. You'll never be healed. Why don't you just give up? Or even worse, ma'am, there is nothing more we can do for you. And just think about living for years in this solitary state away from everyone, sulking in your words of defeat. So I imagine she was just sulking alone replaying those words of defeat over and over and over. So her faith in being healed was hanging on by a thread. By a thread. 
I'm surprised she even had a thread to hang on to. Because most of us would have given up by then. But that thread of faith led her through the crowd to hear what this man was saying. Now I can imagine the crowd looking at her in disgust because they probably knew who she was. And as she made it through the crowd, you know, I picture people just pushing her, saying these things, saying these negative words to her. Because remember, she was shunned by the community because of her health condition. So this thread of faith that she was holding on to was enough for her to make her way to this man, speaking words of hope. And as crazy as the thought may have seemed, she knew that if she could get close enough to touch this man, that she could be healed. I imagine her fighting the resistance of the crowd, falling to her knees as she is reaching out with the last ounce of faith, faith, clinging on to it, clinging on to her last ounce of faith and grazing the hopeful man's garment. I imagine it being a, a, the last ditch effort of desperation. So when this happened, the man of hope stopped and asked the crowd, who touched me? Now this woman was trembling with fear because she was already shunned and she did not want to be recognized. She was afraid. She was succumbed with fear. Fear is paralyzing, remember? Fear makes you think irrational. So at first, she didn't say anything. She tried to hide. The man of hope addressed the matter again. The woman fell at his feet, pouring out her reason for touching him and pro proclaiming that she had been healed instantly. And you know what the man of hope said to her? He said, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace. So I want to say to all you guys listening, all my freshwater warriors, when we speak words of defeat, we are choosing to speak words that are not uplifting and encouraging. In fact, we have learned that these words are destructive, tearing people down to the core. The more that we are exposed to these words of defeat, we begin to believe these words, causing us to lose faith and a favorable outcome. We saw a woman who was shunned by her community, labeled an outcast, forbidden to interact as a participating member of the community. Now, I don't have to ask this because I know that most of us have experienced situations similar to this. It's a desperate and hurtful place to be. It's times like this where I focus so much well, where we can focus so much on the negative that we lose sight of grabbing a hold what is rightfully ours. We heard that the woman was told that she would never be healed. Had she listened to others? Had she waited for someone else to save her? She may have missed out on her chance to be healed. So I say to you, if you are in this position, I encourage you to hold on tight to that thread of faith because the man of hope is near. He is in your community listening to you, waiting for you to come and touch the edge of his garment so that you may be healed. Do not wait any longer for someone to recognize that you need a blessing. 
There will be times where we are tested to see if we're willing to reach out and grab our blessings. There is a time for idle, to sit idle, and there is a time for action, and we are in a time for action. So I'll end with this. Think about this. There are some of us who have climbed the mountain of life and made it to the top. Now, there are some people that choose to stay at the top and not look back because they knew it was a tough, tough grind. And they know how hard it was and how much they had to sacrifice to make it to the top. And they're not willing to come back down to rescue others. But there's a select few that are willing to come back down this mountain and help the others that are struggling, that are holding on to a thread of faith, that feel like giving up and tumbling all the way back down the mountain, that feel like, I can't go anymore. I want to jump off of this cliff. I can't take it anymore. There are a select few who come down to help. Now think about this, that those freshwater warriors that come down to help, they know the path, they know how to get there. They've withstood every adversity. They've gotten past every adversity. They're willing to put their life on the line again to come back down and save some more. So what happens? Sometimes people give 50% effort. Sometimes people give 100% effort. But the beauty of this is, since they know the path and they're strong enough, in their faith. They're strong enough and confident enough in their ability to make it back up. You could get away with giving only 50% and still make it up that hill because they can pick up the slack and they're willing to pick up the slack to do it. But this does not work if you are succumb with fear to the point where you're paralyzed and you're giving zero effort. Do you know what happens to those that come down to help? and the person gives zero effort, you both tumble down. You both tumble down the mountain. And what shame is that? So we cannot wait and sit idle for someone to come and bless us. When that time comes, we have to be aware And we have to be willing enough to put in some effort to take some action so we can both make it up. And you know what? When you make it up, you will be strong enough to come back down and help others. That is how it's supposed to work. So with that being said, my friends, I thank you for tuning in to the Sight Beyond Sight podcast. If you like what you've heard, share it with your friends and family on your social media platforms. And if you don't like what you heard, share it anyway. Let's remember, we are freshwater warriors and we need to be the freshwater that heals in a salty environment. And remember, we are in the business of healing, not hurting until we meet again, my friends.